You're now tuned in to the cold, hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea piping hot so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via whatsapp at 324-1612 email tips at caymanmorrowroad.com now here's your host sandy hill broadcasting live from the beautiful cayman islands wittiest quips ready to take the sting out of your nasty words this day i don't know all right. Well, I don't know if that's a good one. Some people get a little bit too much power and decide. Yeah. So like, it's like Stassi coming out with the outfit of the day. And and also today is National day. Organize Your Home Office Day. Well, right. I feel like I feel like someone came up with that that you know didn't like someone's desk they had to look at all the time. <laughs> and and that and finally National Peanut Cluster Day. All right. Huh? That sounds. I mean, can I have a food one in there? Peanut cluster. Peanut cluster, like chocolate and nuts and. Now you oh. bake it in the in the oven, that kind of thing. You know, you're really starting to diminish all these other days when you <laughs> when you throw National Peanut Cluster Day Peanut on Cluster National Day. Women's Day, <laughs> International <laughs> Women's Day. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. Like don't really, know. it's haven't we been marginalized our entire lives already enough? Well, you should be. <laughs> what it means is you should be in the in the kitchen baking. And, that's and where, it's where you belong. Is, it, it, it sounds like that's <laughs> what they're implying, actually. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. All I think right. you. I think you actually hit on something <laughs> that you don't realize. It's 7:23 right now. Big news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Darren's spilling the tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Brought to. Well, good morning, Sandy. How are you? <laughs> good morning, good morning. Darren. <laughs> hey, it's good to see you in the kitchen uh, baking this oh, morning, man. Sandy. I know I'm close enough to to get. Yeah, I need a stick so yeah. I can just smack him every once in a while. Your husband is so lucky. To have I leave your calendar because I was just checking mine, and the only thing that's in my awareness calendar is International Women's Day. Mm-hmm. I don't have all the other stuff that you have. International so uh, Peanut Cluster Day. Yeah, <laughs> I just I'm missing out here. Well, I know women don't yeah. don't have all of the rights that they should. Is that's why you don't. Wait, yeah, I'm, just, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure your wife is listening. This <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm only joking. You've been, I you've been forewarned. I kid, I kid. What's happening with the with the news today? Well, we've got the annual aviation performance test day. How about that one for you? Well, is that going okay. on? Because I saw the email yes. recalled like four times. I, I, I know. I'm assuming it's on. Only so it was on. Been... Then it was off. Then it was on. Then it was off. Then it was on. Then it was off. And so is it on? Well, I did ask the question last night when I saw that as well. But then I saw that in our news WhatsApp group, they did send it out asking us to um, disseminate it. So I'm guessing it's on. So listen, if you're driving by the airport this morning and you see a lot of emergency vehicles, uh, don't panic. They're just doing uh, exactly. this is only a test. Okay. Don't panic and don't send it to CMR <laughs> because the Cayman Island Fire Service has indicated that they're just conducting their annual aviation performance testing between 8 and 9 a.m. this morning. Okay. Um, along Airport Road and Smith Road. So 
Uh, no mm-hmm. road closures, but motorists are advised to please be uh, careful. We saw yesterday at least one major accident that held up traffic um, for quite some time. So, um, yeah, they're just asking you to be careful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Talking about the dump truck? So, yes. That was wild. Yeah, I don't we, know if you drove by it at all. Well, we posted like, it on our Facebook yeah, page. Yeah, no, but I don't know if you drove by it. No, I didn't. Uh, yeah, it was like... It was like free uh, free you, rocks for everyone. How, yeah, well... Like, Landscape rocks. You know, give it up to them for getting out there and cleaning it up yeah. as quickly yeah, as the, I think the hardest part about that accident, in case some of your listeners don't know, a dump truck um, spilled over on its side and its entire load which was crushed rock as well as oil and other okay. things. It looks well, like, yeah, it was like bent because the, it, met, it messed with the uh, actual like truck. You could see what, well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what uh, vehicle parts. So I'm just going to say there was some smashed broken stuff. So uh-huh. I'm assuming the oil came from, so, yeah, you the know, truck. How often do we hear of this, these overturned dump trucks all the time? Yeah. I mean, I don't know about the, there's like, must be two or three I don't know. I, in the Hurley's roundabout. Have you not been uh, yeah. driving and one of them goes, goes by you is at about like 50, 50 miles, miles an hour. over yes. the speed limit? It's crazy. Yeah, it's very dangerous. I've had them pull out in front of me before because they know that you're going to be the one that stops. Right. I'm, I'm just, I'm sick of the terrible driving. Someone's going to die and, you know, it's just not worth it. For mm-hmm. to get paid for an extra load that day or whatever, because is that the issue that they get paid by load? Is that why they're going so fast? Um, I think some people do, but um, yeah, it's it's crazy. And you know, the NRA, the National Roads Authority, had to um, <clears throat> wait and I think get some special material to try to soak up that oil because, of course, yeah. that creates an additional hazard for drivers who come through it afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it was closed at least until 4 or 4.30, so it was really an all-day affair. Oh, wow. So be careful, folks. Just take your time. Slow down. Um, yeah, I mean, so- especially commercial drivers. I mean, you are you are rated as a commercial driver, so you should actually be better at driving than most other people on the roads. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You should be setting an example. management has... Um, confirm that we have finally, the Cayman Islands government has finally launched a national emergency notification system. It's a mobile app. It launched yesterday. And it basically will allow direct communication to all subscribers um, in the event of a national emergency or disaster. So as you guys remember, back in 2020, January 2020, we had a major earthquake. And um, it was really obvious at that point and other times as well, because I think some years before there was like a fire um, at one of the fuel mm-hmm. areas. And, you know, there's always been this talk of we need a national emergency notification system. Um, now, some people have advocated for just the regular horn because they said, you know, put that up. We're so small. Everybody would hear it sort of thing. But uh, they've decided to go the way of an app. And so you definitely need to go and register. And uh, they're going to come on the show and explain to us exactly how you can register and how to go through it, hopefully on Thursday of this week. So we'll give you guys some updates on that. Well, you know, shout out to Danny Coleman. I know they work hard over there. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming they can track you as well when you download the app. Um, I don't know, but we can certainly ask him. Hmm. I mean, do you want the government to track you? (laughs) Police have also um, confirmed that they fired shots after a man... Uh, drove at high speed towards them. So this happened on Ash Wednesday. Now we had reported that something had happened and we had gotten reports of shots fired. Um, but, you know, we didn't get any details actually until yesterday, any official details. 
from the police, which basically said that um, a car speed with a car racing towards them <clears throat> meant that officers had to discharge their firearm wow. towards the vehicle. Mm. Yeah. So this person has now been charged with dangerous driving. Did they get him? Oh, yes. Oh, okay. She crashed down in uh, Lookout Gardens. Oh. So, yeah. It's, it's hard wow. to kind of run from the police, really. I mean, island. you know, you're just adding adding more to your sentence. Like, totally. You're eating and can't just, well, I don't know. A lot of people do get away. So I kind of get. Absolutely. So now he's facing a slew of charges, um, including resisting arrest, um, GBH. It looks like he assaulted the police. Uh, dangerous driving, attempted, sorry, attempted GBH, production of ganja and possession with intent to supply. Wow. Yeah. All that over a drug that will eventually be legal. <laughs> Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna sting a little bit. Those charges. Uh -huh. And in other police news, they are also seeking um, the public's assistance in tracking down a Nissan, a white Nissan Frontier that fled the scene of an accident um, Sunday morning. That's March the sixth. Mm -hmm. And reports are that shortly after two a.m., um, communication emergency communication went to a collision. That took place at Shedden Road and North Sound Road. Was this the one that like went into the ESO right there? Yes, okay. it is. So it was that white Isn't that truck. An amazing uh, how that happened. Yeah, how that yes. even happened, and especially the fact that they could have just ran into the gas, like to the like gas pump. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that involved a silver Honda Accord, and it's the white Nissan Frontier that they're actually looking for. So, if you have a friend that drives a white Nissan Frontier. That has damage. That has damage. They might, <laughs> or it's not in their. It's in not in their parking spot anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So oh. a Cayman registered jet. How, how can they? Sorry. How how do they not know how to find the person if it's registered to people? Like you have to register your car. How is this not an open and closed case? Finding the person. Um. No, you just go to the DMV and find out. Like, find it, out it, detective, detective Aaron. Go through all the Nissan frontiers that are white. I mean, I don't know how many white Nissan Frontiers there are, but they do. It doesn't really matter. There's a, a VIN number, and it's registered at the DMV with that VIN. Yes. Well, um, they'll, they'll well, catch you first, no doubt. Okay. Anyway, I just hey. feel like it's easy. It came out registered jets that was chartered to carry Russians was fined by Canada to um, for attempting to circumvent sanctions against Russia. Um, so this is quite an interesting story. So, of course, the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration issued a notice last week saying that um, basically they were suspending operations of all aircraft that are owned, certified, operated, registered, chartered, leased or controlled by or for the benefit of a person who is a Russian citizen. So they're really going out of their way to keep Russians out of airspace completely. And you guys might have heard that over the weekend, there were some diplomats um, who were ejected out of the U.S., some Russian diplomats. Mm -hmm. They had to get special clearance from Washington, from the U.S. government, to be able to board those flights. So Russia actually sent a special convoy plane um, into the U.S. I think they went to Washington and then New York to pick up their diplomats. And so, um, yeah, they had to get special permission to permit them to travel back to Russia, which they did with them. So they make sure they pat them down and so long. get all that money that they stuffed in their pockets. Yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so those are some of your news headlines this morning. All righty. Great times. Yeah.
Lots Thanks more that we'll be talking about. So tune in. <clears throat> we'll see you tomorrow. Have Good a great one, guys. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, folks. Uh, buenos dias. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, all right. Let me just say that some people um, are so incredibly predictable. I'll tell you all about it later. Um, so good morning. I'm still getting all these ridiculous phone calls, by the way, about um, <clears throat> keeping traffic is is uh, is really backed up in prospects. I'm not sure if there's another accident this morning, but I keep getting these ridiculous phone like trolling, spamming phone calls from these people um, halfway around the world, I guess. We have nothing better to do but to try to contact CMR. All right, let's play our beloved Isle Cayman. Folks, get your coffee, get your tea, get ready.
right, folks. Buenos dias. Good morning. Bonjour. What else is there? Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Cold Heart Truth. K-Man's number one morning talk show, without a doubt. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's all thanks to you guys. So I'm here. It is uh, Tuesday, March the 8th. Happy International Women's Day. Um, I've got this calendar now that's supposed to tell me uh, what days are being celebrated. But the only one that's on my calendar for today is Happy International Women's Day. So I don't know where Blake got all those other ones from, but some of those are pretty funny. But International Women's Day is a really big one. And really, it's all about celebrating the success of women. You know, we have um, such an important role to play in the lives of our children, our families, you know, mothers, women, sorry, can obviously take on a maternal role. But, you know, there's a lot of women who don't want to take on a maternal role. And I think that that's perfectly fine. And that's good for them. There's always this expectation, by the way, that a woman has to be a mother, right? And people seem to think that there's something wrong with you if you're not, or if you don't want to have children, or if you don't even want to get married. And I'm so happy to say that, um, you know, I'm hoping that we're kind of moving past that a little bit. Although I think in the Caribbean, you guys are always slow to pick up on, on certain um, <laughs> certain changes that are a bit more forward thinking. And so a lot of women, a lot of people in, in Caribbean communities still want to judge you based on, you know, your ability to produce children. Like people actually think you're not a woman if you don't want children or you um, may not even be able to have children because a lot of women struggle with fertility issues. So even this definition of what a woman is and her value to herself and to her communities is oftentimes questioned based on certain um, community norms. So a lot of people, um, you know, are all about that pressure on women to conform to certain societal norms. And I'm all for women just being happy and doing what they got to do. Um, so, yes, happy International Women's Day. Break the mold, smash the mold, just do you and be happy. You don't have to, listen, if you don't want to have children, then don't have children. If you don't want to get married because that's not fulfilling to you, then don't do it. Um, you know, it is, it is what it is. Uh, little story here we're working on. That's something that just came through late last night. So I went to bed a little bit earlier than usual last night. I was in bed by, I suspect, 11 o'clock. Probably a little bit before 11, but I think I probably dozed off by 11, which is pretty early for me. Um, I'm going to start wearing my Fitbit again to really track my sleep because I'm, I'm making a concerted effort 
in 2022 to try to get to bed earlier because sleep is so important. I mean, I know it, and yet it's so difficult. So I continue to get questions about traffic, and I don't know what's going on. Non-movable jam, couldn't even get out of the road, says this person. So as soon as we know what's going on, we will certainly let you guys know. Um, So far, though, no one has sent anything in. So um, I'm not sure what it is. I'm keeping an eye on it. Mm. I'm so glad that I don't just sit in that traffic, y'all. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, yes. So we don't know yet, but it's probably something. I know there have been road works that have been going on, but I don't know if that's contributing to this morning's situation or not. So the theme for this year's International Women's Day is um, someone says on YouTube, you can't hear me. Hmm. Try refreshing because I should be good on all fronts. It's the same audio. So if Facebook can hear me, then YouTube should be able to hear me as well. So the theme for this year's International Women's Day is gender equality toward today for sustainable tomorrow. So this concept of gender equality seems to be lost on um, seems to be lost on people. So let me just check the YouTube feed. Give me one second, folks. Nope, I could hear myself. Um, Yes, um, yeah, so the YouTube feed is good. It's the same audio, so it'd be weird that Facebook would have it and YouTube wouldn't, to be honest. Comes from the same system, essentially. All right, so equality. We could have a whole conversation about what we think about that. Um, Some people get a bit silly when they think about equality of women's rights, and they're like, oh, yeah, you guys want to play for your pay for your free meal. And, you know, people get so offended when we talk about gender equality. It's amazing. First of all, um, people get really, really offended and they think it's the stupid stuff like being able to pay for something. That's not gender equality. Uh, You know, gender equality really is um, about equality in pay, for example. So if a man and a woman do the exact same job, Uh, can we expect to get the same pay if we have the same qualifications and we're doing the same job? And, you know, traditionally women have been underpaid in the workplace um, and, you know, underappreciated. So that's important. Uh, Diversity or equality um, in our communities, even in our homes, you know, there's a sense that women are just not equal to their male counterparts. Sexual equality. So, um, 
is another word that they interchange for gender equality. So I think this is a good theme this year. Some people confuse it with feminism. I don't think they're necessarily the same thing. You know, if people want equal rights, someone is blowing off my phone. I don't know if they know that I'm on air or not, but let me just send them a quick little message. Um, so here's an interesting take on this. It says gender equality is the goal while gender neutrality and gender equity are practices and ways of thinking that can help in achieving the goal. So gender parity, which is used to measure gender balance in any given situation, can aid in achieving gender equality, but it's not the goal in and of itself. Goes on to say that gender equality is more than just equal representation. It is strongly tied into women's rights and often requires policy changes. And as of 2017, the global movement for gender equality has not incorporated the proposition of genders besides uh, women and men or gender identities outside of the gender binary. UNICEF says uh, gender equality is, and this is a quote, means that women and men and girls and boys enjoy the same rights, resources, opportunities, and protections. It does not require that girls and boys or women and men be the same or that they be treated exactly alike. So again, the focus there is enjoying the same rights, resources, opportunities, and protections. On a global scale, achieving gender equality also requires eliminating harmful practices against women and girls, including sex trafficking, femicide, which you may not know, but in the Caribbean, femicide is a real issue, the Caribbean and Latin America, and um, wartime sexual violence, gender wage gap, and other oppression tactics. So um, the United Nations Population Fund, which was formerly the United Nations Fund for Population Activities, stated that despite many international agreements affirming their human rights, women are still much more likely than men to be poor and illiterate. They have less access to property ownership, credit, training, and employment. And this partly stems from the archaic stereotypes of women being labeled as childbearers and homemakers rather than breadwinners of the family. They're far less likely than men to be politically active and far more likely to be victims of domestic violence. As of 2017, gender equality is the fifth of 17 sustainable development goals of the United Nations and gender inequality is measured annually by the United Nations Development Program's Human Development Reports. So very, very interesting how it's tied in to sustainable development. Um, I wonder if the Ministry of Sustainability has, um, if gender, the gender unit falls under, under them as well, uh, the women's I don't think it's, it's no longer the Women's Resource Center. We had to change it to the Family Resource Center because apparently I think people are probably offended by the fact that it said Women's Resource Center, which is part of the problem. It probably should have stayed the Women's Resource Center because women 
girls and women are the ones who are at the negative end of this. Um, so of course, there's a whole historical thing about advocacy for gender equality. There is a um, book dating back to 1405. It's called The Book of the City of Ladies. And it talks about the oppression of women being founded on irrational prejudice, pointing out numerous advances in society that were created by women. And uh, you should read another book called The Real Wealth of Nations, Creating a Caring Economics, which talks about the, um, the importance of women's contributions. Listen, women have invented all sorts of stuff. Um, now listen to this. You might find this tidbit interesting. The Shakers, right? Which is a Christian sect back in the early 17 and mid 1700s in England. And then they organized in the U.S. once they started to migrate. Was an uh, evangelic, evangelical <laughs> group that practiced segregation of the sexes and strict celibacy. Mm, most of y'all wouldn't survive that one. However, they were also considered early practitioners of gender equality. So they branched off from the Quaker community in the Northwest of England before um, immigrating to, the, to America in 1774. And in America, the head of the Shakers Central Ministry um, in 1788, Joseph, is it Meacham? had a revelation that the sexes should be equal. This was a big deal back in the 1700s. I mean, that was quite a revelation. Wow. Mm. He must have woke up questioning that dream. Anyway, um, he then brought Lucy Wright into the ministry as his female counterpart. And um, together they reconstructed the society to balance the rights of the sexes. So the two of them established leadership teams which each, with each elder who dealt with the men's spiritual welfare, uh, partnered with an eldress who did with who did the same for women, and each deacon was partnered with a deaconess. So men had oversight of men, and women had oversight of women, and women lived with women, and men lived with men. And in Shaker society, a woman did not have to be controlled or owned by any man. And of course, as you guys know, this is way ahead of their time. Trust me. After Meacham's death in 1796, Wright became the leader um, or head of the Shaker ministry until her death in 1821. So they were way ahead of their time, folks. So Shakers maintained the same pattern of gender-balanced leadership for more than 200 years. They also promoted equality by working together with other women's rights advocates. So in 1859, Shaker elder Frederick Evans um, stated their beliefs forcefully, writing that Shakers were the first to be disenthrall, uh, first to disenthrall women from the condition of uh, vassalage to which all other religion systems more or less consigned her to, and to secure to her those just and equal rights with men that by her similarity to him in organization and faculties. And they believe that both God and nature would seem to demand it. Hmm. So at the time, um, Evans, who's uh, the leader of the church then, um, and Shaker uh, Eldress Antoinette Doolittle 
joined women's rights advocates on speakers' platforms throughout the Northwestern U.S. in the 1870s, and a visitor from the Shakers wrote in 1875, each sex works in its own appropriate sphere of action, there being a proper subordination, difference, and respect of the female to the male in this order, and the male to the female in her order, emphasis added, so that in any of these communities, the uh, zealous advocates of women's rights may here find a practical realization of their ideals. Hmm, who knew? They were considered radical religious sect at the time, but they did put equality of the sexes into practice. And they argued that they demonstrated that gender equality was achievable and how to achieve it. So of course we will be well aware of the women's suffrage movement in Western cultures in the late 19th century, which sought to allow women the right to vote and hold elected office um, and women's uh, right to hold property in their own name and to themselves not be considered property. So one act was the Women's Property Act of 1882. And that was an act of parliament of the United Kingdom that significantly altered English law regarding the property rights of women, uh, which besides other matters allowed married women to own and control property in their own right. This concept of a single woman being able to um, do certain things has been more of a recent development. Let's just put it that way. So um, undoubtedly we have made some significant strides when it comes to gender bias, but we have a long way to go. And again, I think especially in this region, which includes the Caribbean, Latin, South, Central America, there's still a lot of social norms that um, impact our ability to really achieve gender, true gender um, inequality and to do away with the biases. Everything from health and safety, you know, women are more likely to be um, the healthcare system to not support them as well. So the World Health Organization cites examples of women not being allowed to travel alone outside of their homes, even go to the hospital. Um, this is in some countries around the world. This is still very much happening. Women being prevented by cultural norms to ask their husband to use a condom to protect themselves. Uh, this is happening a lot in, in countries, not just, you know, a lot of us think, oh, like Africa. Yes, it happens over there, but not only in Africa. Um, you know, there's a lot of, even, Christ, even I don't want to say Christianity, but specifically the Catholic Church um, really treats women differently. And that's why, you know, for so many umpteenth years, they didn't even believe in birth control because of course the burden of carrying the child is not on the man, it's on the woman, right? So some of these cultures simultaneously encourage male promiscuity as social norms that harm women's health. So um, it says that teenage boys are suffering from accidents due to social expectations of impressing their peers through risk-taking and men die at a much higher rate from lung cancer due to smoking and in cultures which link smoking to masculinity. So these are all things that, you know, we continue these so-called gender norms, right? And so 
Uh, the World Health Organization has given examples of how gender norms negatively affect women, men's health as well as um, women's health. And so there is also a strong connection between gender, socialization, and transmission and lack of adequate management for diseases such as HIV and AIDS. Female genital mutilation, FGM, still exists in many places in the world. Um, it's a horrible ritual, as you guys will know, where a woman's genitalia is either removed or uh, cut as part of their so-called cultural practices. And really it's rooted in uh, inequality between the sexes and constitutes a form of discrimination against women. Um, there's so much when it comes to, to gender inequality, folks. So I think we can do our part. Violence against women remains a significant concern around the world. Um, so yep. Um, so gender violence against women, gender-based violence is something that we I know March against at least I think once a year. And it's a real concern here in this country. Uh, you know, men can be victims, but I don't know what the percentage is, but I would be willing to say it's probably 90 plus percent of the victims are actually men, uh, sorry, actually women and not men. And that's because women are often seen as the weaker sex. And um, it really does bother me a lot of times when I sit in court and I see what I think as glaring evidence of gender inequality and how women and girls and, you know, as victims are treated so differently. And even when it's a jury trial, how jurors sit there and make decisions. And you can, you can see the inequality of even the jurors and how they're made up a lot of times, majority male. And then the outcome of some of the decisions, you know, I just have to shake my head at. Uh, you guys remember the, the situation with the young lady who was being sexually assaulted. She alleged by her father, a juror of one woman and six men found him not guilty. And he sat there and said some things about how he thinks about women that made me very uncomfortable, how he was seeing his 11-year-old, not even 11, she was 9 and 10 at the time, as this sexual being. And the fact that he was more concerned about her being a quote-unquote lesbian because she wanted to hug her little friends. And I don't know who else in the courtroom thought that this was bizarre. Because a lot of times I'm there doing a little people reading segment. So I'm like looking at faces. I'm looking at the jurors. And I could tell you that the one person in the courtroom that definitely felt uncomfortable by it was the stenographer. And she might have been the only non-Caymanian in the courtroom. So the judge was Caribbean. The um, Well, his defense attorney is English, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's used to not reacting to certain things. But you could see her taking her notes and the expression on her face was just like cringeworthy. Like she's like, if I could read minds, I imagine that in her head, she's like, why is this guy sexualizing a nine and 10 year old child and worried about her being a lesbian? Like who, who does that? Like, that's just so weird. And then there was another point in time when her caretaker, she's in foster 
in the foster system, her caretaker, you know, they were asking her, well, you're the only female she's ever known in her life. Have you had a talk with her about, you know, sexual, like sexual things, the birds and the bees and whatever, how close are you? And she's like, oh, well, you know, she's a very closed off child. She's very quiet and she doesn't really share a lot. But, you know, I've talked to her about um, same sex stuff. So the only conversation that she's had with this child is again about concerns about lesbianism. And I was like, what's the obsession here with a child being a friggin' lesbian? Like you people, I was just like, y'all are sick on another level. But it shows a, maybe a community and societal norm or fear of someone being a lesbian is so much more important than the fact that this child was probably just raped multiple times by her father. That was the takeaway from this whole thing. And again, I, because of where I'm positioned, I have a pretty good view of the stenographer and I'm looking at her and she's doing her little typing. And again, the expression on her face was like, what the hell is wrong with these people? And I was in agreement with her. I was just like, what the hell is wrong with these people? Anyway, um, you know, violence against women is a real thing. We have seen videos in this community of a man dragging a woman, um, you know, he he had the audacity to go to court and admit to the assault on his male counterpart because it's okay to beat up and fight other men. That's that's part of our gender norms. But um, when it came to him coming clean about not only him assaulting the woman, which was caught on video, but then him pulling her and dragging her while driving his vehicle by her hair, he didn't want to admit to that one. Eventually, in the last day of sentencing, he ended up admitting to it because it was like, dude, like really, all the evidence and eyewitnesses are there to prove that you actually did it. So why plead guilty to everything else but that? It shows a certain type of mentality, folks. And so gender violence, and I've spoken to women who have been uh, victimized, you know, to the point where they said if they didn't leave, they knew that they would be killed by their ex-husbands or boyfriends or whatever. Um, right here in this community. So it's certainly a sad state of affairs when uh, women cannot live free of gender-based violence. And those same men, a lot of them, like I look at, you know, some, again, some of these cases in court, and a lot of these men would never touch a man, um, but somehow they find that it is okay to attack women and to beat women up. And this is a real concern in our um, communities and beyond. So um, femicide, um, again, you know, we often think of these things as, oh, it happens to somebody else somewhere around the world. But the truth is that violence committed both inside of a marriage or relationship, domestic violence, as well as violence, you know, in the community generally, tends to happen more against women. Women are randomly attacked more than men. So, you know, a man can feel a lot safer walking the streets of this country than a woman at any hours. Recently, you guys will remember that um, a woman was viciously attacked while was jogging in the morning. And her at alleged attacker has now been charged and uh, is in court. Um, you know, unfortunately, the chances of him attacking a man were probably slim to none. 
So acts of violence against women are perpetrated almost every second of the day. Women are fearful. COVID has, has escalated the situation because a lot of women were being kept captured, essentially, with their abusers. And that went for both women and children. And an unfortunate irony of the COVID lockdown and the COVID pandemic. There would have been increases in domestic violence. Um, there has been a declaration of, on the elimination of violence against women. And, you know, worldwide organizations are trying to work very hard. We've got local organizations that are working very hard as well to try to eliminate all forms of violence, but particularly uh, like the Gender Equality Commission of the Council of Europe, violence within the family or domestic violence, rape and sexual violence, sexual harassment, which not for nothing, a lot of that happens here as well. Sexual harassment in the workplace, on the streets. Violence in institutional environments, female genital mutilation, forced marriages, violence in conflict and conflict situations, killing in the name of honor, and failure to respect freedom of choice with regard to reproduction. And unfortunately, a lot of women are very, very vulnerable when they are pregnant, if, if you can believe that. Um, so speaking of sexual harassment, we reported a young lady some, I guess it's been well over a month now, who said that she's being sexually harassed in the workplace by none other than Mr. George Ebanks. And George's response was, yes, he sent her the videos and the pictures, but it was because she wanted it, according to him. Now, he never produced any evidence to show, to show that she wanted to be sexually harassed by him, but he thought that that was okay, which again is really, really shocking. Uh, she messaged me last week to say that she'd been terminated from her job. So instead of her employers doing anything about the situation with George, they instead terminated her. Talk about gender equality. Amazing. So folks, as we celebrate International Women's Day. I don't know what, I haven't heard of anything that we're going to be doing in this community to celebrate it, to be quite honest. Um, I'm sure the government minister, I don't know who's responsible for this particular one, but I'm sure they will issue some sort of a statement. Um, and that's probably the most of it. You know, this is, by the way, um, we pointed out during the election that this is the highest number of women elected to public office that we've ever had which is a sign in the right direction. But even politically, women are still um, ostracized and, and appear differently. Given the, the amount of you know, male versus female representation in the community, you would expect to see more women representatives, but it just doesn't happen. Let's talk about that in a second. Let's take a quick commercial break. I've got to do something really quickly and we'll be right back after these messages.
All right, folks, my apologies. Had a service call here uh, that I had to rush out to real quick. All right. So, um, so yes, um, you know, we strive for uh, gender equality, folks. It is an ongoing battle. Uh, most women will tell you that uh, they don't feel anywhere near equal. So good morning to Virtuous. So I want to wish every single woman out there today, happy International Women's Day. Ms. Barbara and Olivia are here, Marshall. Um, politically, it's amazing how we have certain expectations of the men. And the men are allowed to do certain things that the women are definitely not allowed to do. And if they do it, they're seen and labeled very, very differently. Morning, Siobhan. Good morning to Ms. Joy. Wee-wee's here. Marshall. Good morning to the beautiful Sanya, Diamond Princess. Moya, hello, Miss Beulah. How are you? Jonathan says, happy Women's Day, Queen Sandy Hill. Why, thank you very much. <laughs> you know, it's as a, as a mother of a daughter and the only child I will have, um, it is really, really important for me to try to raise her in a world that is more equal, you know, and to let her know that her capabilities are not limited because she happened to have just randomly been born as a girl. And um, that starts within her home and the way that we treat her as parents and then extends beyond uh, that, how she's being treated in school and then generally in the community and so on. So good morning to Marva. She says, happy Women's Day to all the beautiful, smart, talented, resilient women of the Cayman Islands to, and to all women who also live in the Cayman Islands. Thank you so much. Irvlin and Alice, good morning. Audrey is here. Thank you so much. Buenos dias, Daisy. Sharon's got it locked. Uh, Felicia, good morning to you. We've got Jackie. And uh, Tommy says, good morning, CMR and Sandy. The busiest woman, woman in media. Happy Women's International Day. Well, thank you very, very much. I appreciate that. Um, good morning, Miss Doreen. Uh, Marva says, maybe you could do a moment every morning on your show with the highlights of today in history. You'd be surprised to learn daily what happened on the day of. Yes, uh, lots and lots of um, historical moments for sure. Um, Marshall says, if a woman doesn't want to have any children or get married, that's her choice. She doesn't have to just to please society. I know that sounds easy, but you'd be surprised how many women don't have children, especially when they start to hit their like late 30s and 40s. Um, people are constantly asking them questions like, oh, yeah, when you have a baby. When you get married, this is like your 50th relationship. Aren't you ready to settle down? So they say it like, um, like there's something wrong with you, <laughs> you know? And again, as Marshall says, it should be a choice. Flashpoint says, I've spoken with many women who later in life have regretted putting work above family. Um, maybe. But you've probably not spoken to the women who have actually been happier without families in the traditional sense. Uh, you may not believe this, but people who don't have children, married people who don't have children, have been proven to be happier and live more apparently fulfilling lives. So having children is a sacrifice, but it's not the kind of thing that makes you happier necessarily in life. I'm just telling you what the evidence has demonstrated. <laughs> so I don't know. Um... And I and I, I can understand some of the logic because 
parents, a lot of parents will make sacrifices for their children. And so they're living for their children. They don't get to live their best lives because they're living a best life for somebody else. And I guess a balance of that is needed. We can't have a world with no children or nobody having any children. Um, but I can tell you a lot of people are perfectly happy without children and they're per perfectly happy living a life with experiences. And, you know, a lot of times they might be surrounded by children. It's not necessarily that they hate children. A lot of people who choose not to have children have, you know, they're some of the best aunts and uncles out there and that sort of thing. So Olivia, thank you so much. Happy International Women's Day. Moya says that they forgot with gender equality when it comes to the household. If you have finances as 50-50, then expect that the responsibility of the household will also be 50-50. So don't be expecting women to come home to deal with the kids and cook a meal. You best either manage the kids and homework or get behind that stove. Woo! Boy, those are some strong words, honey gel. Yes, sir. get behind the stove. Well, you know, as you guys know, um, I am uh, married to a Caribbean man. My husband, my first husband was American. <laughs> there are definitely some very distinct differences. And I've noticed differences in my own relationships based on what I can only surmise are actually cultural norms, right? So um, here's an example that I often think about. My very first boyfriend when I was in university, his name was Prakash. He was from Sri Lanka. And he had moved to the U.S. with his family. But he had some very traditional views with certain things. I often wondered if we made it through that, you know, we dated for a couple of years as college sweethearts and whatever. I often wondered, had we gone on and like, you know, gotten married, stayed together forever? Um, I probably would have had more children than just the one. I think my life would have been very, very different. Although I found him to be relatively um, progressive in how he saw things, you know, social norms and advocating for women's rights. And those are some of the things that would have attracted me to him in the first place. Uh, there's this one little thing that he used to do all the time, which I thought was very endearing, but I could see how your exposure uh, to what you grew up with really has an impact and influence on you. So when we'd be walking, those are the days when we had no cars, folks. We were poor university students. So he, he eventually got a car, but in the early days we had no cars, so we'd walk a lot. We'd walk from Fontana Hall, we'd go down by, um, there was a, a Target and there was a Piccadilly's um, there that sometimes we'd go and, and grab a bite to eat. So we did a lot of walking, walked to classes and all over. So if we were walking and like walking on the street, he would always maneuver and get on the outside of the street. So I wasn't permitted to walk closer to the street, which I thought was a really... It was kind of nice because if anybody was going to get hit first, it was going to be him. <laughs> and that's exactly why he was doing it, because it's like the man's duty to protect you. And, you know, he's like, OK, I'm going to get on this side and you walk on the inside. Um, so those types of things, cultural, and it's because I am a woman, I didn't necessarily mind. Um, I thought that that was kind of endearing, kind of nice. But, um, you know, there'd be other social norms, too, like in he he wasn't really a practicing um, like extra religious person, but his parents were. So his parents from Sri Lanka, one was um, what's called Sinhalese. Uh, that's a, I guess a, I don't want to say a race, but a cultural sect. And then the other one was a Tamil. And so for many, many years, the Tamil and Sinhalese people have been 
at civil war. They've been fighting each other like forever and they don't traditionally like each other. So it was kind of interesting that his parents, one being Tamil and one being Sinhalese actually got together and got married. That was very unusual in their culture. And so his dad was, um, was he a Muslim? I don't even know what religion he practiced, but he had a temple and um, he had prayer. So he'd do his little prayer like every day and whatever. And then I, I would hear little things like, oh, my mom isn't allowed to enter his prayer room if it's that time of the month. And I'd be like, what? People still believe this stuff? And it's like, yeah, because she's seen as unclean because she's having her period. I'm just like, okay. And I think that, you know, there's other things within the older generation of his family that, you know, would have been okay. It's like, okay, <laughs> that's different. Now, when I compare that to my husband, for example, Marlon is a traditional, pretty much traditional Jamaican man in some respects, but he also has an Indian background, although in his family, um, the only thing I feel like they've picked up as Indians, because they're all Christian and whatever, is probably the food. Like they still eat a lot of Indian food. So when he sees his mom, you know, she's going to cook him the traditional Indian style curry and roti and whatever, whatever. Um, but a lot of his way of thinking about things is probably, has probably been shaped by his family dynamics and then the cultural dynamics. So he has come from a family where his mother was out there working just as hard, um, as the father, you know, she had her own professional career. She went away and, and did her degree. She started out as a teacher and then she ended up more on the, um, kind of like the equivalent of DCFS here in the Cayman Islands, working at family services. And then she was like the regional manager for her area. And, and his dad worked um, like in what would be like our statistics office. Um, and he became like the regional person, regional manager for um, his area of Jamaica as well. So he came from a household where both parents worked um, and supported the household financially. His mother has always been, they've like had a family business that they've run. But then I also recognize that in his particular case, he also had a grandmother in the household when he was growing up who was very instrumental in being there for the children. So although the mom wasn't a stay-at-home mom, the grandparents, I think by the time my husband was born for sure, were there and they were an integral part of you know, helping to raise because uh, they lived in the same household, you know, multi-generational household. They had a business that was uh, somewhat attached to the home but they were always there. So she would be the little granny, little petite little Indian lady that wakes up in the morning is going to fix their breakfast for them and fix traditional Indian food for them and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And so I do think that sometimes, um, you know, even, even if we do takeout, cause I'm really busy. So I'm not telling y'all that I'm going to be cooking every day. If you're looking for that kind of wife, I'm not, I'm not it. Okay. But even if we do like takeout and whatever, Marlon has an expectation that I'm going to serve him the takeout food on a plate. And so if I'm here, that's one of the things that he expects. Now, that's a little bit because I'm like, is he going to be serving me? You know, and so there is a little bit of like a gender. I feel like it's a gender disparity for sure. And so even with my daughter, I think, well, she sees these things, right? Like I am waiting on him. I'm getting his tea for him. Of course, I know that these are things that he likes, 
So I don't necessarily mind doing them, but I could also see from an outside perspective how it's kind of like, hmm, is this a, a little bit of a glimpse of how we still are engaging in gender inequality? You know, and if you have children, your children do see these norms that you're creating for them. But at the same time, he's also the husband who's going to do the dishes. Thank you. I'm so happy about that. Because as you all know, I don't like to do dishes. So yes, he's not going to cook normally. Sometimes he makes a little soup or whatever, if he's like in the mood for something really specific. But he's not going to cook. He's going to leave that up to me. But, you know, he'll help out with the dishes. He will sweep the floor. He's going to mop the floor. Like he's into having a very clean environment. So he will do those things. So I think a lot of it is, is give and take. And if you're not comfortable with something in your own relationship, then women and men, you need to speak up and express yourself about those things. So Flashpoint says, I was amazed some years ago when I overheard a group of highly educated women talk about wanting to find men that would allow them to stay home and raise their children. Uh, this is still very much a thing. And a lot of women are happy to give up their careers. And it's it's seen as a, I tell you what, I feel like in Cayman, it is seen as a measure of um, almost your financial status. If you have a husband that makes enough money where you can live this relatively fabulous lifestyle, where you can still have private schools and whatever, but you're able to stay home. You can still be a stay-at-home mom. And on top of that, you can still have a nanny on top of all that, right? And so, you know, what? how do you guys feel about men who want to be stay-at-home dads? How many of you think of that and you think, oh, that's weird. Like, why would he want to be a stay-at-home dad? But absolutely, Flashpoint, there are a lot of um, women who see that as the thing to esteem to, to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, I don't know. I think your children can benefit from having either parent be more present and be, you know, kind of stay at home until when they start school for sure. Uh, but I also think it's very, very important for children to see examples of both parents working. First of all, it takes two salaries, y'all. I don't know, you know, maybe the people who work on Mabels and Walkers can afford to, to be stay at home parents. And you know what's so funny? Speaking of the impact of that type of an expectation, Caymanians have started to be like, oh yeah, well, I want to be a stay-at-home mom too. So they're trying to look for certain types of individuals financially who can secure that lifestyle for them so that they want to get up in the morning, put on the gym outfits and, uh, you know, go to the gym. And, you know, they want to hang out at Starbucks sipping on a tea or coffee or whatever. And that's like the, that's like the life. I'm just like, that life seems kind of boring. But anyway, um, I think when your children are younger, I can understand logically why that might be something, I guess, to esteem to, although I don't know if that's the right word. But I think it's good to show as a woman that you can create things, you can create a business, you can you know, work just as hard, if not harder than your husband. And just because you're a stay-at-home woman, don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean that you're not working extremely hard because most women, as the point was just made, by Moya, you have this double duty. You're working outside the household, you're bringing in the income. And then on top of that, you're also expected to maintain the household and all the child rearing and all that kind of stuff. So Flashpoint says men are oftentimes the violent, the silent victims of domestic violence. What organization exists with a focus on providing help for the male victims of domestic violence? Well, 
Um, without a doubt, I think that's why they changed it from the Women's Resource Center to the Family Resource Center, because they wanted to be, um, you know, completely free of at least a bias in the name. So Flashpoint men can go there as well to get assistance. And without a doubt, men are silent victims, but I can tell you there are way more uh, female victims than male victims. Good morning. Um, Marva's giving a big shout out to a bunch of women in her life. So good morning to Miss Darlene. Women may not, uh, maybe not unappreciated and underpaid, maybe if they appreciate being sexually engaged with their directors, chiefs, uh, supervisors, and bosses, maybe some of the time they get high positions such as HR and other positions with attractable salaries in the workplace. It's, it, and maybe it does not matter what poor performance or wrongdoings that cause other employees disgruntled. Maybe it will get ignored, not noticed by their bosses. Um, so I think this speaks to the whole element of sexual harassment. And a lot of women, good morning, Lavana and Omeria, Omeria, a lot of women um, do feel the pressures to give in to the, um, the sexual harassment of um, their superiors in order to get positions. Sad, but very much a reality. And I, I see it all the time. And it's unfortunate because it kind of gives every other woman who doesn't want to engage in that sort of behavior. It makes it that much more difficult for all the rest of us. Cause you know, we're like, Nope, we're not getting on our knees, you know, to satisfy some man and to be his sexual toy. That's not how we're going to get anywhere in life. You know, you've made that decision to have certain standards. And when other women are like, Oh, but this is going to be so easy for me to lay on my back or flip over and doggy style or whatever the heck they're up to. Um, that, you know, it really undermines professional women who are willing to do it the right way. So that that remains a live issue. I don't know if that will ever change fully, but so I'm told, folks, that um, the traffic issue is probably not a traffic accident. It's just roadworks. Someone says you can um, can you you never can please society and people. I have two sons and everyone tried to tell me that I need a daughter now. I don't think so. So this person says she's done. Um, someone else mentions in the U.S. they call it WIC, women, infants, and children. Focus is really to support women and children. If a man is the primary provider, can still get benefits uh, for the children. Um, so, Yes. Okay. All right. Um, mm -hmm. All right. Uh, what a mess. That's a whole other situation <laughs> brewing this morning. So good morning. Malachi says, happy Women's Day to the hardworking women within our communities and the rest of the world, especially single moms who are playing both roles of father and mother. And let me just say something about this 
And then I want us to switch back to the job fair because I've got an update for you guys about that. Um, in the Caribbean, there's this whole concept of, remember there was an article in, in the Jamaican paper about how, I forget what percentage of men are given what we call jackets. So in other words, it's not really their child, but they're told that it's child. It's a high percentage. I forget what it is, but it's a lot. And so this idea of inner communities, a social norm, that having children outside of wedlock is mostly acceptable and having children by multiple men or women um, is okay. And even in this day and age, when you cannot afford five, 10, 15 children, some of y'all are still out there having that many and more. So I do think this is one of those Caribbean focused things a lot. And a lot of it has to do with lack of education and lack of understanding and sometimes even lack of opportunities. So a woman who is uneducated is more likely to be the one who's going to bear, you know, five to 10, 20 kids for someone or multiple people. When a woman has had the benefit of a good education, she recognizes that the more children she has in life, the more difficult it becomes for her to achieve anything for herself. And one of the reasons that men, and I don't know if you guys have noticed this or not, but a man who is abusive in his household tends to, for the most part, want a woman who's always barefoot and pregnant because that gives him a certain degree of control over her in more ways than one. And there's been this thinking that the more children you have, the less desirable you come to anybody with a little bit of sense. So you have five children by the time you're 30 and say that relationship doesn't work out and you ever want to find another man, it would take quite a man to be like, um, yeah, I'm going to pick you up plus your, your gang of five. And this is just the reality of it. It's so interesting talking about inequality and sexism and all these things. But a lot of men, even if they have children of their own, they don't necessarily want a woman. This is when you get a little bit older in life with a bag of children. And a bag normally means more than one. And it's a sad reality because men are more likely to find women who will take on their four or five kids and raise them as though they are her own. But you find a lot of men who are like, hmm, you're not as desirable when you fall into that category. So um, it's just one of those things. And it's, it's, it is unfortunate in a way, but I think the focus for me is, especially for young women, no one should control your reproductive organs other than you. So if you're in a relationship and a man is pressuring you to have children, don't let him. That's your choice, right? And there's no rush, really, for you to have a child at 18 and 19 years old. You can decide, you know, when you want to have children and you get to control that process. If you're with someone who's unduly pressuring you, I suggest you dump him and find somebody else. Because like I said, most of these men just want bragging rights 
to say that they have all these children, they're not even able to afford the children. I'm so disappointed when I see Caymanian men out there having all these children by all these different women and they think that it's okay. And every other week they're posting on social media with another baby mama, more baby mama drama and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, oh yeah, this is cool, whatever. And pretending to be parents or fathers or mothers of the century when nothing could be farther from the truth. You ain't fool nobody, first of all. And secondly, folks, um, it does a severe injustice to the children themselves. The more children you have, the more likely um, that none of them will have a fair shake at even getting an education and having professional opportunities. Not impossible, but, you know, in life, we shouldn't be striving for the impossibilities in life. We should be striving for, you know, attainable, realistic goals. And so the more children you decide to have, folks, the more you disenfranchise every single child. And um, this is... These are these annoying phone calls again. They keep calling me all hours of the night and day. Man, I might have to change my number because they just keep harassing me. Um, so so yes, you know, at the end of the day, folks, these are some of the realities that women are having to look at and having to seriously consider. Um, we put a lot of the reproductive burden on women because I guess they're the ones who actually bear the children. Although I think that men should, when we talk about gender equality, men should bear some of that responsibility as well, but they don't normally care that much, you know, because they can just move on very, very easily to the next one. It's the woman who has the go through the physical pregnancy, uh, bear the child, and oftentimes end up raising the child if she decides to keep it and not put it up for adoption or whatever. And it's very hard to put kids up for adoption in Cayman. That's a whole other conversation. But I'm not impressed by, in the community, how we encourage men to go around sowing their not-so-royal oats all over the place. And then women, oh, she's a whore, she's a slut, she's this, she's that. Look at her, she already got two baby daddies. And meanwhile, he's out there on child number five or 10 with like three different women. And we see him differently. We need to stop that, I feel like, because he is part of the problem. Men like that are part of the problem. Of course, they have to find a willing uh, woman to participate. And, um, you know, it is sad when women decide to engage with men on that level who have nothing to offer them. They can barely keep a job, most of them. And yet the one thing they will do is happily get you pregnant. Esteem to something a little bit higher in life, folks. Because again, parenting, as Moya said earlier, talking about gender equality, parenting should be um, equally between the man and the woman, even if you're not married, even if you're just in a domestic you know, civil union or whatever, you should do your best, folks, to ensure that the father is an active player in the life of his children. And there's so many good reasons why. It's not about just giving him this undue burden, undue responsibility, but children who grow up with a present father, right, get very different messages in life about 
what their life could be like. And girls in particular are much more balanced. They're less likely to be promiscuous, for example, if they have a father in their lives. They're not out there looking for fatherly love from anybody else because they got it. You know, when you have a great father, I mean, many of you, even at your age, if you've had a father that has passed on, male or female, you will know the importance of having a man in your life who has guided you and who was there and, you know, who loved you unconditionally, um, who provided for his family. These things are really, really important. I think children need that balance. They need to see both parents operating as a team and in unison. Even if they're no longer together, you can still put forward a united front for the benefit of your children and give your children access to both parents, um, you know, as equally as possible. Broken homes, there's a cycle of broken homes in our communities that have led to a lot of dysfunctionality. We all have it, I feel like, in most of our families. So these are just some of the things that come to my mind when I'm thinking about International Women's Day. You know, I can't help but think about the families and the mothers and by extension, um, all that comes with that. Flashpoint says many women look for men that can provide for them financially. And this changes the dynamics of relationships and the start of inequality. Um, and again, that's why I think that we need to be teaching our young girls that you don't need a man in your life. You should be wanting to choose companionship, but you don't need companionship, especially not for financial um, security, because you can get that on your own. But you can't get that on your own if at the age of 18 or 19, you are already getting impregnated by these no good men. You need to accomplish certain things in your own right to have financial freedom. And as a woman, it won't be as easy for you. So that's why any good advice I could give young women is to focus on you, especially in your 20s. Focus on getting a good education. Focus on you know deciding what you want for yourself professionally, what sort of career you're looking at. And then if you wish to try to find Mr. Right Now, <laughs> you, know, you can kind of work on those goals later on. But I feel like your 20s should be about self-exploration and living life and traveling and seeing the world and going off to university and just experiencing what that's all about. Emma says, good morning. I'll send my husband over to cook for you. Ooh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> and you can send yours over to do my dishes. My husband will do anything but dishes or a problem. He boils a kettle of water and it looks like a hurricane went through the kitchen. <laughs> But I wouldn't trade him for anything as much as I hate washing dishes. Aw. Yes, Marlon will do dishes, child. He's good. He puts on his little apron. He'll start scrubbing pots for me. And I'm like, oh, yes, honey, child. Looking good in an apron. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we have, a, we have a helper that comes once a week. And I've often said this, um, even to my husband sometimes, because, you know, in between the helper, you still got to be cleaning up and whatever. And when you got a toddler or any kids in the house, you know how that's a constant battle to keep things looking neat and tidy and stuff. And so sometimes I'm like tired and I've had a long day. And I say to my husband, listen, I work extremely hard to be able to 
bring home the bacon, at least some of the bacon on the plate. And um, my philosophy is this, really. I am not going to kill myself with housework. I'm sorry. So if the place looks a little bit disheveled, yeah, we can live. Um, but I'm not going to kill myself because I'm killing myself otherwise to be able to even afford a helper who can come and help me out in the household. <laughs> so that's kind of my philosophy um, a little bit. Although, you know, you have to teach your children that they're responsible for their areas. So her daughter now knows how to make her own bed at the age of five. And she understands that you get your little stars if you make your own bed and you pick up your toys and you put stuff away. So um, it's important to teach them how to maintain their environment. But yeah, some days I come home and I'm like, okay, the sofa has cushions in the wrong place. I ain't going to kill myself about it. Like, seriously, I'm going to be like, whatever. I'm going to just flop out on the other side of the sofa and kick out my feet and relax a little bit. Emma says that statistics show that 90% of domestic violence in Cayman are women, um, domestic abuse victims, but a lot uh, of men are being, a lot more men are being that, something I think is missing there, what's being reported because they think it makes them less than, also a lot more women are being abused than has been, yeah. I mean, this strikes me, domestic violence is always gonna be one of those things that is underreported. Um, across the board, just like sexual abuse and molestation. And so, you know, we need to really encourage people to, um, I think it's very difficult to reform someone who is, um, although, you know, the court seems to think that once they start to have children and stuff like that, you have to give them an opportunity to try to reform themselves. But it takes a lot of therapy because I find most of those people grew up in environments where domestic violence was the norm for them. And what you see is what you live, especially when it comes to your household. And so that's why in my household, it's really important for me to have uh, a male partner who knows how to talk to me, who knows how to communicate and who doesn't say certain things to me. And by extension, doesn't say certain things to my daughter even, you know, no one in this household is ever going to lay a hand in my daughter, even in the, even claiming to be wanting to, um, to punish her or chastise her. I'm like, no, she's not going to get the message early on that anybody can hit her. And that's somehow okay because that person loves you. Because when, when other people start to put her hand, their hands on her and then say, oh, I'm doing it because I love you or whatever, she's not going to have any mixed messages. She's going to be like, oh, no, I did not grow up in a household where I was subjected to any form of bad touch or violence. And I was told that that was okay because the person is trying to discipline me, keep me in, in control, or because they love me. No, no, and no. Uh, Omeria, traffic seems to be roadworks. That's the only conclusion that we've come to so far. Uh, Flashpoint is asking why some female colleagues don't want to work for female managers. Um, I think sometimes it's a little bit of an ego situation. And then other times it is also a situation where um, women have been told that they have to act a certain way or they have to be a certain way in order to compete with their male managers and their male counterparts. So most women, you know, you have to put away your maternal side. You can't be uh, someone who has any feelings in the workplace and you have to be very stoic and you have to be like, you have to be like a man. <laughs> you got to wear the pants. You know, you can't wear a dress and be flowery and still be a good leader. 
that's the, you know, we have been taught, but I don't think that that's correct. I think women can be a mixture of different things and women can be um, strong, confident professionals and still be very much in tune with their emotional intelligence. And so, you know, they're still very sensitive and caring and all these other things as well. And in fact, those are the ones who make the best leaders, people who are very, they have more of a 360 approach to their leadership style and their personality. But society has told us, you guys need to go and read some of these books, which by the way, I keep saying this and we're going to just launch our book club one day. Like I feel like we um, keep talking about it. We're not doing it, but you know, there's a whole swim with the dolphins um, philosophy. Um, there's one called swimming with the sharks without being eaten alive. <laughs> right. And so these are a lot of leadership books written by men um, who talk about how to outmanage, outsell, outmotivate, outnegotiate your competitors. And the original book, was, which was written by um, Harvey McKay back in 1988, Swim with the Sharks, has had several uh, books since then. And I think there's been one in response to that, which has been like the female version, is um, Swim with the Dolphins. Because again, women can't be seen to be sharks. So uh, this Swim with the Sharks was a survival guide for leadership in diverse environments. But a lot of women read it and it, it catered to the male ego and it catered to male leadership, right? Because I guess that's what you do. Um, and somebody else wrote the... Um, the counterpart to that from a woman's perspective, which was swim with the dolphins, because of course women are seen, but you know, dolphins are extremely intelligent creatures. And let me tell you something. Um, don't mess with a dolphin because they'll outsmart you any day of the week. <laughs> you know, they'll outsmart a shark even. But anyway, uh, these are some of the disparities even in how we see leaders. So sometimes it is, easier to work with a man who you see as like men can be relatively predictable. They don't necessarily, in the opinion of others, have hormonal changes. So sometimes a month they might be a bit more emotional or different or whatever. I think a lot of people see men as be being more one-dimensional. But the truth of the matter is men can be, and most are, very multi-dimensional but they hide it. So they've been taught not to show their emotions. So they don't cry and stuff like a woman, you know, you get a woman upset, she's more likely to cry out of anger and embarrassment or whatever than your male counterpart. Your male counterpart is probably just going to pop you in the head one good time. So he's been taught, oh, you can get physical. That's how you express yourself. And you don't express yourselves particularly well with words and that sort of thing. So, oh gosh. Um, Flashpoint and others, we can get so deep into this, but let's let's leave it there for now. Um, happy International Women's Day for sure. Thank you, Lizette. Good morning, Miss Sue. Um, Miss Sue says the women who work hard and have good jobs and they earn good salaries, the men come along and take advantage of them. Well, women stand up and do not allow anyone, male, female, or otherwise, to take advantage of you. Okay, let's talk about the job fair part two. So yesterday we had a very interesting discussion. A lot of people messaged me after the show 
saying how much they um, enjoyed it and uh, got, got lots and lots of um, interesting feedback on it. And so I thought that it would be... Um, Good morning, Janetta. It says, are you aware of hashtag maternity CI? No. Tell me what that is. I've not heard of it. Um, good morning, Vanessa. So, yes. So, let's talk a little bit more about the job fair. But send me, I don't know what that is, so do send me some information. So, we talked about the job fair yesterday, and I think the takeaway for me was um, we have expectations of employers, but we need to also have expectations of the employees, especially Caymanian employees who are saying that, you know, they're being treated unfairly in the workplace. And sometimes this is a matter of perception. Sometimes it's definitely the reality. And, you know, I think that for a lot of us, we need to start pulling up our bootstraps a little bit and recognizing that and recognize that even the world of labor and employment has changed a lot. Listen to me. There's always somebody out there smarter than you, brighter than you, more hardworking than you. You know, you can't even, it's interesting, like we want to compare ourselves to other people and we do it all the time. But sometimes you have to recognize that somebody out there is way more hungry than you for your job. And they will do almost anything to take your job. And that makes it, I think, very, very difficult when we're considering things like, you know, how do we ensure that Caymanians have equality in the workplace and not just equality, but because this is the Cayman Islands, that they actually get a shot first at job opportunities. And there are dynamics of that that I feel like over the years have definitely changed. And I think that in our heads, our expectations of what happens in the real world also needs a little bit of adjusting as well. So the DART organization had a job fair. And this is what people have said to me. They only had the job fair because the government said to them, you need to have a job fair. And some have interpreted that to mean that the government is in cahoots with um, a government minister who said that, like, you need to have a job fair that somehow they're in cahoots with them to get their work permits approved. I don't think that's actually the context of what it was. Now, I don't know what government official said this. I don't know if it was labor minister or tourism and transport minister. I don't know which minister, but whichever minister said this to DART, the understanding from my perspective, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but the understanding from my perspective would be um, what you need to have happen is that as an organization, you need to fill as many of your available positions as you can with Caymanians first. Then if you can say, well, no Caymanians have applied for this position or qualified Caymanians have applied, then you start to expand your scope and your reach. So when we had Valerie on the show on Friday, she did say, quite honestly, after the question was posed to her, that yes, a number of these jobs um, are people on work permits. I know for a fact that some of them have been work permits that have been deferred by uh, works. And this is a good sign. Thank you, works, for deferring work permits. Because works is saying, hold on, 
you're looking for this position, surely you can find a Caymanian for it. That's why it's being deferred. It's not being deferred because of anything else. It's being deferred because they honestly believe that a Caymanian can be found. So let's have a look at some of the jobs. Huh? Um, I am supportive of the job drive. Now, did Dart put on the job drive just because they're trying to make a good impression? I guess the real question is, do I care? <laughs> Everybody's trying to make a good impression. And if, if they're trying to finally make a good impression, well, congrats for doing that much. Probably about time, <laughs> you know, that you care to even make a good impression because I think for far too long, a lot of organizations have even cared about the impression that exists of them out there. They've just done whatever they wanted to do. And I'm going to show you guys some of the available jobs here. I'm just pulling it up on the screen. So um, I am less concerned, I suppose, about their motive as I am the fact that they've actually done it in a way. So they've had the job fair um, and they have put some effort forward and organizing this, you know, people said, oh, you know, this was even, this was even planned. Well, it was planned enough to have 300 people show up, which is probably one of the largest, if not the largest job fair that we've actually had. So don't be too quick to knock it, accept it on the, on the face of it, like I said yesterday, until they give us a reason not to. So let's just accept it. I don't know how much planning you need for job fair, but they pulled it off. Okay, enough people knew about it in the industry. They put out the, the press releases. They organized buses. Like I said, that part needed a bit more, um, you know, promotion so that people would have known about it. But they've made an effort. And we have kept in contact with them because the first criticism, even from the day of the event, is, oh, these job fairs, these jobs, are not available on their website because people who weren't able to make it were messaging me, can I get the web link and so on? And they're like, but the jobs are not there. So because they were still, I feel like working on, it was it was put together very quickly. They were still working on that. Um, you know, we went back to them and said, when are the jobs going to be listed on the website? Because we expect them to be not only on their website, but also on the work website. And this this is a matter now of transparency because what you have happening is, there are people who do not trust the DART organization. They're saying that all of those hotels, not just the Ritz, but all of them, have had a reputation for not really being that interested in hiring and recruiting locals. And that that has transcended in what people see as dishonest practices. Now, um, perception is reality, folks. I've said this before. So whatever someone's perception of you is, that's gonna be their reality, whether or not that's like the full picture or the God's honest truth or whatever. And um, at the end of the day, you know, the jobs are now up on the website. Okay, we do have a caller. Give me one second. Good morning. Morning. Welcome to the cohort truth. Mm -hmm. So just for reference, the jobs are on their website, but it's not on work website. Yeah, I was so, going to get to that. 
Yeah, so to put it to you, so if anybody applies on their website, mm -hmm. work cannot keep a track track of it to know anything about their applications. So, so I was, I, I was, gonna, I just went I was on work. Gonna... I just went on work, and mm -hmm. there, there is only like ten positions on work. So I was gonna get to this because um, my understanding is that all jobs, apparently, you can get an exemption, but pretty much all jobs should be advertised and should be listed on the works website. Again, there are exemptions to that apparently. So there are people who do get exemptions. I don't know if this is one of those situations where they have gotten an exemption or not, but you're saying that in your mind as a potential candidate, you are seeing this as being um, a bit shady because mm -hmm. you're thinking if you're not in works, then works doesn't have the ability to track and see which Caymanians actually applied for the position. Mm-hmm. So what so what I did, I mm -hmm. sent Miss um Miss Diane emailed me. So the jobs that I applied Who's Miss Diane? Conley at work. Okay. So the jobs, one of the jobs that I applied for mm -hmm. is on the website and on work, but the other two aren't. So the two that I applied on the Dart website, I sent that into Miss Diane with their um job job id number so hopefully like she can track it if anything does happen mm -hmm. okay and that's a that's a good um sort of practical thing to do mm -hmm. so i would recommend everybody does that and i did mm -hmm. go back to them last night and ask as well if all of the um jobs that they have listed here would actually be listed on works as well so i don't know if um those if that's happening um, so I've just gotten some feedback from someone within the DART organization to say there were positions that were open and recruitment of Caymanians was active. Um, so you've applied for three positions. Did you go to the job fair on Saturday? No, I couldn't because I go. was still in isolation. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're right. just calling to say that though. I'm with you. the on the own work. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. Bye. All right. Um, we also have another comment from a representative from DART that says, in addition, jobs that were closed, i.e. advertisement occurred and no Caymanians applied. Um, so listen, you know, they were included in the spreadsheet. Okay. Let me just see. Quick thing here. I see the RCAPS has sent out something. I don't know if it's related to the traffic. So let me just have a quick look at it. Mm -hmm. What's the police saying? Oh, they're celebrating International Women's Day. That's great. I would like to see a head of the RCIPS one day actually be a woman. Wouldn't that be amazing? Um, okay, so uh, interesting. Uh, all right, so let's have a look at, at, at some of the jobs, folks. Okay, so I think what they have done is they have shared um, a lot of these positions. Can you guys see any of these? This looks very small. Let me see if I can enlarge it. Uh, okay, there we go. Ah, there we go. 
All right. So they have everything from um, chefs. So there's like, that's at the Hampton Culinary Department. Um, cook, banquet, line cook, pastry cooks. Some of those are at all of the um, locations. Um, the wine specialists, sommelier. Now, y'all y'all know I didn't take French, so let me get you the correct pronunciation of this word. Because you should be able to, to pronounce it if you're going to apply for the position. <laughs> sommelier, I think is how it's pronounced, but hold on. Sommelier. 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 All right, there you go. That's a wine steward who is a trained and knowledgeable wine professional, works in fine wine. So they're looking for that person at the Ritz-Carlton, sells and serves and suggests wine pairings with menu selections. You've got um, your different shoe chefs within the different organizations, the Ritz-Carlton and the Kimpton. So there's quite a few positions in culinary, food and beverage. Uh, conference setup attendant, director of meetings and special events. So if you have more um, management experience, you guys might want to check that out. Uh, food and beverage. Um, so this person's catering, conference services, et cetera. Assistant director of food and beverages. So they do have some management positions here, folks. Um, house person for banquets, manager of the beverage section manager of food and beverage at the Ritz-Carlton and the Kimpton. So lots in food and beverage. Supervisory positions. They've got um, food and beverage and rooms. And then they've got others, which is more of the administrative stuff. So everything from an admin assistant, receivable clerks, massage therapists, admin coordinator, Ambassadors of the Environment. Hmm, interesting. Um, cashiers, general finance and staff accountants, purchasing clerks, destination services, sales coordinator, director of the spa for the Kimpton, an engineer. Um, Hmm. Okay. That's different than what I would have thought, but okay. Uh, so they've got the requirements there. Food and beverage analyst, golf ground superintendent, human resources coordinator, loss prevention and security, marketing and sales coordinator, manager for destination services, manager for the hotel. Is that under Mark or is that a different job? Uh, human resources. So there's quite a few positions here. So folks, even in the spa, nail technicians, attendant, coordinator, if you're interested in any of these positions, ooh, tennis coach, an attendant, airport ambassadors. Mm, that should be a fun job. And I feel like that one should definitely be a Caymanian. The first face you see when you come to the Cayman Islands at the airport is a Caymanian once you pass all the other non-Caymanians when you come out and you see a Caymanian face. All right. Oh, yeah, but they don't go through security coming out. So I guess they wouldn't really see those people. Okay, folks. Um, bell persons, business center, conference concierge, concierge for the lobby, destination services operations agent. Tons of jobs here. 
If you need a copy of this list, like I said, they've all been added on their website. And they have sent me, by the way, um, how you can apply online. So I'm going to post that up on the um, on our social media pages as soon as the show's over. But I'll show you quickly here for those of you who are here as well. This is richcarltonjobs.ky, kimptoncareers.com, and dart.ky backslash careers. That's for the Hampton, Kimpton, and the Ritz-Carlton. So you can apply for those various positions. And like I said, I will post these instructions up on the website for all to see. Go ahead and apply for these positions and do keep us informed of um, how it goes. So um, Janetta, thank you for that. I hate to tell you, but I actually don't read the Compass. How many of you have paid for a Compass subscription? Sorry. If it's in the Compass, I probably wouldn't have seen it. Mark says, exactly, very shady. I applied at the Dart website too, and I saved the emails I got because I have an interview at Works on Friday. You have an interview at Works with Dart or just an interview at Works with Works? Uh, Miranda um, <laughs> says that that overnight oatmeal at the Ritz got you all for the Ritz. They only they only like the Caymanian status and the tax dollars. They don't like Caymanians. Well, I'm having my overnight oats again today. And I gave some to my daughter this morning and I've been eating that for years. So I can assure you that has no impact on um, what my thoughts are about the Ritz. If you listen to what I said, and I said this on Friday, that the Ritz in particular has a horrible reputation. Whether it's truth or not, it has a horrible reputation for their hiring practices. But when I went on Saturday to pick up my overnight oats, guess who was pleasantly surprised to see the two people working in the coffee shop were actually Caymanians. And I didn't have to look at the name tag to see the Caymanian flag. I could look at them and hear the accents and how they said, Good morning, Miss Sandra. I knew that they were Caymanians. So having said that, again, let's recognize positive strides that are being made. Are they where they need to be? No. Is it possible that they are having a much better understanding that just like I was talking about the shift and how the world works, that there's also a shift with this government in particular? and a shift with the dialogue that we're having in the community. You know, listen, I can love the overnight oats and still hold the Ritz-Carlton responsible and recognize their shortcomings. The two are simply not connected in any way, shape or form, but y'all still gotta check out these overnight oats. The point is, if someone has recognized that, you know what, maybe we haven't always been entirely genuine in our recruitment efforts, or this perception that we, have achieved in the community is for good reason. And we're going to do some things now, whatever the motivation is for that. So even if they're motivated by the fact that a PAC government member, a minister said, you need to have a job fair. You need to show us that you're actually making a concerted effort to try to find Caymanians. What I suggest Caymanians need to do, instead of constantly putting that effort down and saying, oh yeah, they're not trying to hire Caymanians, go out there and apply for the jobs. Because when you don't apply for the jobs for whatever reason, you're only proving the point why they have to then go back to immigration and then put the government under pressure to say, okay, we had a job fair 
And, you know, this is how many applicants we actually had and how many qualified applicants we had. And so now we still got a batch of work permits that we need approved. It's easy to get into this mindset of saying, well, they don't want to hire Caymanians. They don't like Caymanians. That's the easy way out. It's easy to say that. Now what? What are you going to do now? You know what it takes more time and effort to do? Is every single time they advertise a job that you're interested in or that you're qualified for and that you want to apply for, apply for the job. Make them turn you down a hundred times. And every time they turn you down, you let works know. I've applied for this job and I'm qualified for this job. Here's my resume. Here's my experience. And here we go again. Because then you become part of the solution, right? As opposed to always saying that somebody's out to get us as Caymanians. Well, somebody's out to get you because you're a woman, because <laughs> you're black, because you're a Caymanian, because you got, I don't know, certain features. You can, my point is you can always find an excuse or a reason not to do something because other people, even civil servants, oh, I can't get nowhere in the civil servants because Caymanians are our biggest haters. Mm -hmm. And what are you going to do about it? So it just comes back to what are we going to do? So it's easy to say that they're evil people. Are you going to apply for a job or not? That's my only question, really. Apply for the jobs. Do your part. And also understand that your attitude when you go into the work environment means a lot. So when you apply for a job and you genuinely don't like people, because I know Caymanians, there are Caymanians who don't like expats and doesn't matter what they do or what they say or whatever, you just don't like them. You don't think that that's something that people can pick up on when they're working around you? So I feel like a lot of us do need a little bit of an attitude adjustment. If you want people to accept you and to be more accepting of you, then maybe it's time that some of us started to be accepting of others as well. I'm just saying, it kind of has to go both ways, right? Elizabeth says, and you have to be certificate happy. What does that, what does that mean? Well, you know, had y'all been paying attention, you could have just gotten a certificate in, in wine, spirits, and what else were they doing? There's a front of house training. There's a wine three school training course. And again, I hear consistently from people within government who are putting on these events and others that, hmm, Caymanians are always complaining about, um, you know, opportunities. And yet when the government is giving them an opportunity, free training, they still don't show up. Hmm. Saying we need to change. And yes, government, the reality of it is that um, government has to get y'all off the stipend. That's cost, costing we the people millions of dollars per month. And it's not a sustainable position. 
So this commentator says, like you said yesterday, it needs to be an intentional and authentic um, collaboration between employer, candidate, employee, and government, especially in an industry that has historically in many areas of hospitality had low interest from Caymanians. Financial services and corporate employment are much more attractive. And that is that is a reality, right? So at the end of the day, um, that's the truth. Caymanians haven't stepped up to the plate when it comes to hospitality, despite the fact that y'all talk that talk. Speak to your children. Go to any school environment and ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? How many of them do you honestly think are going to mention the hospitality industry? Hmm. How many of you have even promoted that to your children? How many of you said, have you ever thought about being a chef or, you know, whatever? Big shout out to um, Carla, by the way. I can't remember Carla's son's name. Carla um, Brinson. Her son is a big time chef boy. Um, hold on. I'm going to get his, I'm going to show you guys this young man because he's amazing. Um, my apologies for not actually knowing his name. But this young man has loved cooking from as long as I can remember Carla talking about him. And um, I want to say, now Carla, I don't know if you're listening, but, but correct me if I'm wrong. I want to say that he's, I know for sure he's done a bunch of competitions. And I also believe that he might be doing something at the Ritz. Hold on now. Um, oh, she's so proud of him. And he loves to cook. So they won um, some cooking. He's always winning cooking competitions, by the way. And uh, let me see here. I'll try to I'll try to get the information from her, but I kind of believe that he's been given some opportunity by some of these same hotels y'all claim don't want Caymanians. What I'm saying is meet people halfway, folks. Bradley McLaughlin, thank you to that astute listener. This is Bradley and his mummy. And he is always winning all these culinary competitions. Little Bradley, young man, we are so proud of you. You are awesome. Now, I haven't really tasted anything that Bradley has cooked, but boy, his mummy can cook. So I'm not entirely surprised that Bradley got that cooking gene from Carla. But, um, Yes, he, he, he's on fire when it comes to his culinary skills. Always doing extremely well in any competition that he enters. Was he going off to do some studying at something or another as well? I mean, he's just amazing. So here's an example of a young man who, you know, has not only express the desire to do something that's seen as a little bit unique and different in the culinary field, you don't see that many Caymanian men who are wanting to be chefs. And so when you do find them, you know, embrace this. I love that he enters every single competition possible. And he wins and he demonstrates through hard work and putting himself out there that he's willing to do it. He's not sitting back saying, 
nobody wants to give me a chance. Nobody wants to give me an opportunity. He is actually saying on a daily, what next? What's the next competition? What's the next course? What do I have to do next? Almost every, I'm looking at Carla's Facebook page. Child, almost everything she has up is all about food. <laughs> no wonder he's such a good chef. Ooh, chicken Caesar pasta salad. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, Carla, these recipes are making me hungry. I'm going to have to do it just my oats, though. Um, look at, look at Carla's page. This is kind of funny. So this, this is her Facebook page, chicken and mushrooms and creamy dill sauce. Oh my God. That looks amazing. Yes. I'm all for it. Funeral potatoes. Mm, mm, mm. Oh my God. I'm not much of a soupy person, but I'll, I'll eat it if somebody else makes it. Um, look at this one, creme de la creme. Mm, oh my God, flank steak. Oh my God, y'all making me hungry. Uh, what is this one? Beef, what? Eh, okay, maybe with a little bit of rice, that one might be all right. Um, oh my gosh, look at this one. Incredible recipes, balsamic, soy roasted garlic mushrooms. Speaking of food, Please don't forget that another show that we're going to be launching in 2022 is our cooking show. But I need volunteers because the idea is y'all are supposed to be cooking for me, not the other way around. I'm not cooking for y'all. Uh, I want to come in your house and I want you to cook a meal. And over that, we're going to have a conversation. So, yes, Carla's son has done amazing. One pan sa sausage bake. Okay. Huh. How to make your own balsamic dressing. Anyway, folks, this is like looking at foodnetwork.com, mushroom rice. Mm, mm, mm. Wow. Um, yeah, so thank you for sharing um, the information about uh, young Bradley McLaughlin. Bradley, congratulations. The point that I'm trying to make, folks, is, you know, go after your dreams and let's stop finding excuses. Don't give anybody an excuse, including yourself. Gigi says truth, uh, the ugly truth is that attitude is very important no matter what position you're in. Cameron says that I hope that the small Cayman in water sport and taxi drivers have first preference when the ships come back. Small business and entrepreneurs is the backbone of any emerging or recovering economy. Thank you, Matiza, for letting me know that. Um, not too sure, but I think he's cooking at Unique. Where's Unique? I know, child. Y'all know I love me some food. I don't even try to pretend I'm a foodie to my core. I feel like I was born with a chicken thigh in my mouth or something. I just love food. And you know what? The Cayman Islands actually has some of the most amazing restaurants. Um, so Bradley back in 2017 was one of the proud of them, um, honorees and, um, they described him as having been involved in a youth culinary program. Now is a youth culinary program one that is put on by the government who runs the youth culinary program, by the way, 
because that's a wonderful initiative. Again, kudos to whoever does that. Earning second place as part of Team Cayman competing against Cooks in the Caribbean Junior Dueling Challenge in Barbados. Wow. Mm-mm-mm. National Youth Cook-Off Finals at the 50th Annual Agriculture Show. He beat out the Cayman Brack team. So they won that. Very good for you. And he won, his team won the best chili competition. Receiving the Tanya Foster Trophy for winning the title of best young chefs. He says he enjoys creating local dishes with a contemporary twist and sees the fact that he lives in one of the culinary capitals of the Caribbean as a blessing. Hmm. Wonderful. I'll try to get an update from his mom to see uh, where he's at these days, but good for him. Um, Gigi says, attitude is very important. And remember, be the solution to the problem and not the problem for the solutions. Someone said to me this morning, it's so interesting how sometimes um, we might have an impact on someone's life and you don't even remember it. So someone was messaging me this morning and they said, you know, thank you recently for having some really positive words to say to me. And they said, you might not remember this. Um, They said, you will, you will never remember this, but you introduced me to the show, The Secret, years ago, which helped me to change my thoughts and focus on what I wanted and to be more positive about my dreams and goals. That was a pivotal moment for me. And believe it or not, I do not remember this. But it goes to show you that sometimes you can have a moment with someone, a conversation with someone, and you don't understand how impactful that moment for them is going to be. And this was, oh my God, years ago. Like, probably 15, 20 years ago, maybe even at least 15 years ago, I would think. And I was like, really? And they said, yeah. I said, me? They're like, yeah. Um, they said it was at a Miss Cayman dinner at the Marriott Ballroom. So they remember all these details that I wouldn't even remember uh, that we had the conversation. And I remember the conversation because I went home and I watched The Secret about four times that night. And the hardest part, they go on to say, the hardest thing for me uh, sometimes is to distance yourself from people you love, but you have to ensure that you focus on the positivity. And they say, funny you say that, because then I said something about um, having this victim mentality, and it was part of what I was talking about yesterday as well. And they said, funny that you say that, because some days I still struggle, and then I'll have a moment. It's so scary how a negative mind can trap you from seeing opportunities and be like a mental jail. Sometimes we can't see it because we don't want to. I've missed some opportunities because uh, my mind saw it in a different light. Your thoughts truly guide your destiny. Y'all don't believe it, but I'm telling y'all, you got to start looking at the world in a very different way. And it starts with your mindset. So, for example, you know, not picking on anybody, 
But there are people in this community since this government have gotten elected um, who have said, oh, this government doesn't want to give me a job. I'm going to say the person's name because they've very, they put it down, you know, on their social media. Government doesn't want to give me a job. Dr. Frank is a perfect example of this. And I'm thinking, in what world does government give you anything? So the fact that you think, let's, let's just break this down for one quick second and the show is almost over. The fact that you think government owes you a job or they, want, they should give you something says a lot about your mentality. Government doesn't owe you jack. Now, imagine if you saw the world differently. And instead of government giving you a job or government owing you something, you got up one day and said, I have something to offer my country. And I'm going to put together a proposal, pen to paper, to demonstrate what I have to offer. A program. He claims he wants to run the prison. Well, you're probably not going to get that job because you're not qualified. But maybe you could run a program within the prison because they have all sorts of you know, reform programs to decrease recidivism within the penal system. So you could come up with an idea. You know, every single week, folks, I work with people, companies, members of organizations, and they might want different things. And so I've got to think about who the organization is, what are they trying to accomplish, what do they want, and how the CMR platform can help them achieve that. Sometimes it's easy. It's just straight marketing of your services and products. Other times it's really different. It's about, okay, the community might have a certain perception of, of this government agency. We need to change that. And I have sat down with these different, you know, high ranking civil servants and be like, okay, this in a concrete way is how we do it. These are the changes. Got the gardeners here, folks. These are the changes that we can make. And this is how I propose doing it. So I show them the vision that I have for their organization, their companies. Then I talk about deliverables in the real world of how we can do it. And then when they have that aha moment, when the light bulb goes off and they're like, ah, okay, now I see what you mean. It's like, you know, let's get it done. So I, just like everybody else who's a small business owner, depending on the type of business you're in, if you're in the business of consulting and providing services of this kind of nature, you have to be the one to put yourself out there. You have to be the one to come up with the proposals and the ideas and, you know, that sort of thing a lot of times. That's what you need to do, Dr. Frank. The government not sitting down, oh, we're going to just give you a job. You want a job and you know what you can offer the government, then put it together for them. But it is a mentality that has harmed Caymanians a lot of times because there are some of us who believe that somebody is going to give you something in life. And you know the irony of it is a lot of times when we do get something, when people do give us something, you don't even appreciate it because you never had to work for it. Isn't that amazing? You never had to work for it because somebody gave it to you. So you slack off. You never write the book that you were commissioned to write. You never produce the results that you're committing. It's like, you got to be hungry. Remember what I said earlier? There's somebody else hungrier than you for that job, for that position. Demonstrate and show your hunger through your hard work and dedication. Big shout out to Misha. 
Misha is the young lady who does her evening news. And she was a young lady who came to me and said, Sandy, I want to produce content for CMR. I want to be on CMR and I've got some ideas. And we had a meeting and she came to me with about four or five ideas. And I started to ask her questions, putting her ideas to the test. And maybe there were some things that she hadn't really thought about. And she was like, okay, I'm going to have to think about that and go back to the drawing board on this. And I'll say, yep, this is, sounds like a good idea in the face of it, but these are the details that I need you to think about. Because you go and try to market this idea to anyone um, in terms of sponsoring a segment or whatever, this is the stuff that they're going to come back with. So preempt that. Be prepared. Do your research. Right? Combine these two ideas together. Be realistic about your timeline for producing content. And out of that original meeting and idea and her approaching me, she was hungry to do something different, right? She's now doing the evening news, which funny enough, wasn't on the original agenda, but that was me saying, you know, there is a gap for a daily news brief. And so let's get that going. Cause I think that that's really, really important. Now we're in like month number two and how many of y'all are enjoying, um, getting, you know, a snippet, just five, six, maybe 10 minutes at the most of daily news in a video format. You got to be hungry. How many of y'all hungry? I'm hungry, literally and figuratively. And that hunger is what I use to motivate and drive me. Even the days that I wake up, I'm like, oh God, I don't even feel like getting out of bed. It's not even a question. It's not even a, a real thought, right? I just roll out and jump up and I'm like, all right, let's get it. Gigi, you get up too. Because a five-year-old doesn't have any self-drive of their own. You have to motivate them. You have to give them the drive that they're going to need to want to go to school and to get things done. I'm like, let's get it. We got things to do today, honey chow. And again, that serves as an example for your children that sometimes you don't feel like getting up, but you still got to get up. You got things to do. Things to accomplish, places to see, people to see, you know? El Rey says, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. I mean, in very simple terms, if you want something in life, go after it. Achieve it. Don't let people tell you no. Listen, we are a perfect example of that. Five years ago, this in June, we're going to be coming up on our fifth anniversary. How many of y'all thought, raise your hands and be honest, that CMR was going to be just an overnight thing? Ah, they're going to disappear. Da, da, da. Listen, what was the name of the paper that um, Dr. Tomlinson had for a minute there? What was it called again? Um, oh, I can't remember the name of it. I can't remember how long that lasted, but I don't think that that even lasted five years. And this, listen, these are people who have everything. They're connected. They have money. They had resources, their own print and all this kind of stuff. But you know what? Maybe the passion and the love for what they do wasn't really there. I mean, I don't know ultimately why they failed. But all I'm saying is sometimes you don't knock a little engine that could. Right? You just keep going and, and there will be people who will surprise you. And yes, um, Cameron, when you're always hungry, 
the joke sometimes is on other people because they sit back and they're like, well, how did she achieve this? How did she do this? How did she do that? Why y'all sitting there snoozing? As um, my favorite quote says, I was toiling upwards into the night. I don't know about anybody else, but I was not asleep at the wheel. Yep. That's what it is. The heights of great men reached and kept were not attained by sudden flight. But they, while their companions slept, were toiling upward into the night. It's so funny how we can manifest a lot of things in our lives, right? I'm looking at my um, my own Facebook profile picture, and I haven't changed. These are not things that I, I don't think I've ever changed since I set up Facebook. But let me show you the two quotes that I have on my Facebook profile. That, you know, even when we get lost in our own heads and get lost in the ocean of negativity, sometimes we need to remind ourselves to just refocus our energies a little bit and look at these two quotes. So the one that I just read you is my favorite quote by Longfellow. And then about me, this is what I put up at the top. Um, when I let go of what I am, I become what I might be. Mm. Don't let other people box you in. Right? Let go of what you are. Let go of the past. And the possibilities that can open up for you. Absolutely amazing. You know, do, don't let anybody else define who you are. Just let it go. Take on a new perspective. I find that sometimes we become so caught up in our identity, like how people see us. And a lot of us live entire lives trying to maintain this facade, this identity. We want people to think we're rich. We want people to think we're this, we're that. And when you let go of that and you kind of throw caution to the wind a little bit and you're like, I don't care what you think. There is freedom in not caring about what other people think of you because you don't get caught up in this identity crisis, right? You're not living for anybody else. I don't care what box you want to put me in. You're trying to stereotype me. And it's just not something that I have been willing to engage in. So people will say, well, you came from a poor Georgetown family. You're not expected to do X, Y, Z. Great. That's on you, honey child. That has nothing to do with me. School teachers, you know, in Cayman saying, well, you can't achieve this because of who you for, who your mom is, where you come from. And thankfully, because I had an opportunity to leave Cayman and imagine more possibilities for myself because of what I saw. And these people in the U.S. didn't know where I came from. 
They're like, the Cayman Islands, where the heck is that? They didn't even know where the Cayman Islands was on a map. <laughs> They'd be like, is that the Bahamas? Is that Jamaica? And I'd be like, you do know there are islands other than Bahamas and Jamaica, right? <laughs> but in that sense, I wasn't being judged in the same way. I might've been judged for other reasons, but certainly not because of this family that you came from in Georgetown, because then people don't know nobody from the Cayman Islands. They're like, we don't care about that. It really opened up possibilities when you let it go to become who you who you want to be. And there's so many great examples, I think, of this in Caymanian society of where people might not have had the benefit of a family name behind them or money or all these other things, but they've still achieved like amazing things. Cameron says, sit in there watching what people are doing and what they, what they have. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, instead of telling someone how proud you are of them, you begrudge them. What a world. Jonathan is sticking to his G3 plan. He says, maybe I should put together a little something so I can convince you and the people why the G3 plan is a good idea. Well, it starts with the idea. And then it starts with formulating into paper. So put it together, Jonathan. You might be surprised. The ugly truth says life has been too good for MK Man for a long time. Many people have forgotten or don't know how to push themselves, want it to fall in their laps or someone else to put it in their laps. This is true. Very, very true. And, you know, unfortunately, our counterparts around the world still have that hunger because they don't have those advantages. And they see the Cayman Islands as an opportunity. So, yes, they will come from halfway around the world and make it happen. All right, folks, um, there's a fire in Georgetown. Oh, okay. Uh, this just came in a little while ago. Um, I don't know what this is about. Hopefully it's not Mount Trashmore and fire again. But let me share it with you. We have something developing here. Something that's causing some toxic fumes in the air. So let's just have a look at this. Um, someone said they got them off of Facebook. Hmm. Okay. Well, I don't know if this is recent or what this is. But someone apparently sharing these pictures on Facebook this morning. We'll try to. Suss this out. Someone post them without any comment. Eh. I, I kind of feel like I would have gotten more if this was actually happening. I would have gotten more messages by now. So I kind of feel like this is a bit. Probably nothing to worry about. But if y'all see any confirmation of this, do, do let us know. We'll keep an eye on that situation. But that's the kind of thing that people tend to send out very quickly. Oh, Sandy, there's smoke in the sky. What's going on? All right, my good people. Um, so it looks like the traffic congestion this morning 
was a result of roadworks. Um, I did see a lot of NRA trucks last night, or I assume they were NRA trucks or related to roadworks. Um, right after, like in the, before you get to the Grand Harbor roundabout, like in that junction where they're expanding the road, I think they're moving a bit further down. They are um, doing a lot of work in the area. I'm not quite sure why it would be done during morning hours when traffic is uh, a bit congested. But um, let me see if I can find out a bit more about that. Um, they've been really busy. They've been putting in crosswalks and speed bumps and the NRA has been on it uh, this year for sure. They've been cranking out some stuff and they will be joining us. I feel like it's next week that they're going to be on the show. So let me just confirm um, some bits and pieces with them as well. Um, okay. Yep. All right, folks, thank you so much for tuning again. We're probably about three weeks out from um, the show going live. A little bit of a delay. These things happen. Tomorrow, let's talk about getting an update on what's happening in, in Ukraine. So more Russian sanctions. The U.S. is uh, from yesterday or over the weekend, actually. They were in Venezuela trying to see how they can source oil from alternative means because they're trying to cut Russia off completely. And I think the more that they do that, unfortunately, the more this man will become unhinged in a way, but it's probably the only way to stop him because I feel like ultimately his own people will be the force that he will have to reckon with. Cameron, three-ish weeks is what we're aiming for, I would say realistically into April. I'm thinking of taking a vacation um, relatively soon as well. I haven't taken one of those in five years plus. <laughs> so um, actually, I kind of took one. Uh, let me see what year that would have been, 2015. Oh, gosh, I guess that's been a while. Mm, okay, never mind. <laughs> Longer than I thought, for sure. Um, yeah, so I'll be I'll be looking at uh, at doing a little family vacay, but don't worry, even when I'm in vacation, when I'm on vacation, I should say, I will still be um, doing segments of the show. Y'all have a fabulous day, beautiful people. Be positive, think positive, do positive, be creative, be hunger, hungry. Um, go out there, speak with purpose and uh, just get it. Sounds like a plan. Y'all have a wonderful day and I'll see you tomorrow morning. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmorrowroad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings. 